This is episode 99 of ActorCast with Olivier Award-winning actress Fiona Shaw. Welcome to ActorCast, the podcast that broadcasts the work, advice, and insight of actors, writers, directors, producers, and other industry experts in show business. I'm your host, Patrick McAndrew. Sit back, take notes, and enjoy the show. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to ActorCast, the podcast that broadcasts the work, insight, and advice of entertainment industry experts. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We have a special episode for today. I am very honored to say that we have Fiona Shaw joining us on the ActorCast. And Fiona is an Irish film and theater actress known for her work with the Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theater, as well as for her work in film and television. She won the 1990 Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actress for the roles in the plays Electra, As You Like It, The Good Person of Chezwan, and Machino. She received three Olivier Award nominations for her roles in Mephisto, Hedda Gabler, and Happy Days. She made her Broadway debut playing the title role in Medea, for which she earned a nomination for the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play. She returned to Broadway in the Colm Tobin play, The Testament of Mary. In film, she played Petunia Dursley in the Harry Potter film series, and other notable film roles include My Left Foot, Persuasion, Jane Eyre, The Tree of Life, Colette, and Enola Holmes. I was so lucky to have the opportunity to speak with Fiona. And in this episode of ActorCast, we unpack a lot when it comes to the craft of acting. We talk about Fiona's experience as an actor, what acting means to her and what it means to her having pursued a career and life in this work. We talk about how actors get in their own way when they're performing or preparing a role, We discuss how the entertainment industry has evolved over time. We discuss different perspectives on training for actors. And then we also discuss how actors, how we as actors, can know whether we're on the right path or not. There is so much wisdom and insights from Fiona for this episode. I really enjoyed my conversation with her And I have no doubt that you will enjoy this conversation as well. Please be sure to share this episode with someone who you think it might resonate with. So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of ActorCast, Fiona Shaw. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ActorCast. I am very excited to have Fiona Shaw on the show today. Fiona, thanks so much for joining us. It's very nice to be with you, Patrick. I'm very excited to have you on the show. As we are just discussing uh, before we started recording, I had the opportunity to take a master class with you through the United Solo Theater Festival here in New York City. And You just blew my mind, just like in how you talked about acting, your approach to acting, 
what you said about acting. And so from that point forward, I was just very interested in, in just learning more about you, your career, your perspective. Uh, as I also mentioned, I had the opportunity to have uh, Ann Bogart on the actor cast as well, who I know you're a good friend of. And and so I'm I'm very excited, given your busy schedule, you've had such an incredible career and continue to do so. I'm so glad that we were able to to arrange this time to to speak today. Good. Good. You'll have to remind me what I said in that class so that I can uh, <laughs> take it forward if you can. Well, remember. yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we could even just start there. I, I would love to hear what uh you believe acting is. Something that you had said in the class was acting is human beings watching other human beings be human beings. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a simple statement, but there's, you made me really think about that a lot. So I'm wondering if that's changed at all, or, or just in a general sense, what do you believe acting is? And, and why is it something that you decided to pursue for your career and your life? I'm not sure I can answer that in one sentence, but I think acting is lots of different things. And I think on the occasion that we met, I had been kindly given some lovely prize for, I had been performing The Wasteland, which was a poem by T.S. Eliot, um, really about the state of the world in 1918 to 1921. And I think maybe, you know, it's very, very complex language or seems so. And I think what I was trying to say is, you know, you could say April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead earth. But what you're really saying is you're quoting someone having a thought. And I think that that's what acting is, is that it's the thoughts gathered by all of us that, that are deeply hidden in our minds and they emerge and people who speak them and make them communicate again are actors. So I think that is what acting is, but it's lots of things. At the moment, I'm doing a TV, television series and acting is about your position in relation to a group of people who are telling a story and what part you play in the story. It's both a form of self-expression and the opposite of self-expression. It's a, an ability to, or a joy in pursuing something that's slightly outside yourself, but also can only come from yourself because in the end, this little squeeze box of flesh and blood and a few arms and legs is all you have to express that with. Absolutely. Do you feel like that's a big reason why you decided to be an actor was that opportunity for self-expression or or being able to uh, express through your body the quote of someone else or another character? I think probably in my 20s, I would have given you a very important reason why I wanted to be an actress. But over the weekend, I was with my mother and I found a photograph of myself on my first order communion. And I was in the middle of the row with everybody, with my candle, and I'm beaming louder and bigger. So I think a lot of it was showing off. I think that's <laughs> And my mother is a big show off and she plays the piano and sings at 97. And so, but I think I became less and less interested in showing off. The more I did acting, funnily enough, I became much more private, much more uh, like a sort of golfer and that I was playing opposite myself. I was always trying to get myself better in it, loved being in a group, but it was less about the 
I mean, I actually I'm being rude about myself, Maori community. I think I got overexcited when I was young and was very excited by life. And so theatre or language or poetry, I loved Yeats when I was growing up. I was always doing, you know, that is no country for old men, the young in one another's arms, birds in the trees, those dying generations at their song. And I was aged about 10. You know, I loved big language because big language seemed to excite myself and excite the listener. And so I think it was a combination of those things um, that made me slowly move towards it. I read philosophy, actually, for three years to try and uh, deflect my uh, enthusiasms, but uh, it didn't work. And and at the end of my three years of philosophy, I applied for drama school. Oh, wow. Now, it, that's interesting. I didn't know that. It, was there something that you learned in philosophy that you then applied to your acting? Like after the fact? <laughs> Not at the time, but I think after the fact, the thing that philosophy gave me was an ability to read very difficult texts and not to move on to the next thought until you really understood the first thought. And actually, acting is not about just gabbling a lot of words. It is about one thought building on the next onto the next thought. And I think I learned how to do that in, in philosophy because you had horrible epistemological arguments that you had to really understand. And they were dry. And after that, theatre was much more interesting. But at least I understood how to parse, how to find that you know, the elision of one word with another mattered, you know, adjectives matter, adverbs matter, uh, full stops matter. And so I think uh, those very basic things, like most things, like playing scales on the piano, in the end, you know, Beethoven's piano concertos are just really scales played brilliantly in different orders. That's, we're all doing the same thing, but more humbly. And I think I learned a humility from uh, philosophy to, just to stay stick stock of things. I'm still not very good. Funny enough, I'm learning lines for tomorrow for something. Um, and I'd learned them last week. I like to learn things a far, a long way away from the performance day now so that they sit more in the long-term memory than the short-term. But I still find it very hard. So it's not that you have, you know, I think people think ta talent means you all do it effortlessly. On the contrary, I think all a talent is, is your willingness to work hard at it. Oh, that's so important to know. I, I, that actually leads me nicely to my next question, Fiona. I was just going to ask, you know, as, as we discussed before recording, there's a lot of actors who tune into this podcast, uh, emerging actors, actors who uh, would love to figure out a way to to make this their life's work and to be able to maybe someday pay the bills through their acting. In your experience, whether personally or in working alongside other actors as well, what have you found to be the difficulties that actors run into? We, we tend to get in the way of ourselves a lot. And, and so in your experience, what, what tend to be those things that get in our way? And how, how do we overcome that as actors? I, I think we are always in our own way and we are always our, you know, our, our worst enemy and we are always uh, tripping ourselves up uh, getting getting in our own way i think one of the difficulties is the desire to express something has to come into the wide pendulum swing of experience and i think actors are often inhibited feeling they have to be pleasing to people and actually it's really good 
if you don't feel that. And yet you have to please in the sense that you must interest people. You can't be so, you know, if you're playing Hamlet and you start mumbling into your chest going to be or not to be, nobody is going to hear you. So you can't say, well, that's my choice. You don't really want to be you know, not heard. <laughs> people say, fine, I won't hear you. And I'll go and, do, you know, have dinner with my friend. And um, so you have to engage people. You have to use the imagination in a transitive way, meaning that it has to go outwards to other people. But you do not have to please them on any agreed version. So at the moment, for instance, actors tend to be much better looking, much better fed, much fitter than anybody in my generation. But very early on, I think I knew I wasn't one of nature's beauties. That doesn't mean I didn't have a beauty of my own. But I knew that it, my my gift was really energy. And so I did very high energy performances on very high language. And that's that's one thing that I think I met myself in a good way. I didn't plan that, but I just mean that that's where I found my mean. And the second thing was because you are trying to appeal to many directors because there are many directors out there and directors are vampires. They tend to bite your neck once, enjoy it very much and say things like, we must do this again. And they very rarely ask you again. But I used to work with the same team all the time for a long time. And I think that gave me a fantastic sense of home, a sort of solidity. This is very early on. I mean, I, I worked with lots of different directors and over my life, many. And I've loved working with them once and would love to work with them again, whether they ask me or not. But I did work with a group uh, when I worked with Deborah Warner from about 89 to 92 or three. Then I worked with other people on the way as well, but mainly in that team of Jean Kalman and Chloe Obolensky and Deborah. And it was very, very comfortable. In fact, maybe too comfortable in the end. So you have to you have to leave those nests. But I think it gave me a great solidity working with the same people. I'm I'm always amazed talking with people like yourself who have who've had a consistent career for many years now. And I'm always interested in hearing how the industry has evolved and changed through the years. You're someone who's had a lot of experience working both on stage and on screen as well. I, I would love to hear your take on just like how has both the theater and film industry changed? What And are those changes good? Are there things that you miss about maybe something that was more mainstream several years ago? I, I would love to hear your take on that. I did a lot of Shakespeare at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and I played Portia and Beatrice and, you know, Kate and Shrew and all of these fabulous parts. And then when I was 28, I was offered my left foot and followed by Bob Rafelson's Mountains of the Moon. So suddenly I was in that little fast track towards Hollywood. And when I got to Hollywood, because they were opening the film, so I was invited, they said, how old are you? I said, I'm 28. They said, oh, you're very old. Wow. <laughs> so Hollywood was that time. You had to be 20, 21. Now, I never intended to go to Hollywood. So it, it just happened by accident that I was there for that. But I think that made me very quickly put my tail between my legs and return home and go back into the classical theater and I played Hedda Gabler and Richard II and just continued. Meanwhile, I was doing The Odd Invitation. I did a film called Three Men and a Lady, which is very popular. So I played in very popular films often, but they weren't really my career. My career was on the stage. And, you know, I did, I mean, I did fascinating things. I did Brian De Palma's 
Black Dahlia. I mean, very odd films too as well and really enjoyed them. But I never, ever got my claws into film because I always felt that I was too old, I was too odd, I was too British, too whatever. And then just about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, I had just played, I did London Assurance at the National Theatre and I did um, Scenes for an Execution and I did Mother Courage. And then I did Testament of Mary on Broadway. And over those years, I felt terribly tired. I felt I, I, I'm not sure I've got any more to offer. And so I thought I might take some time out and direct a few operas, which I did. And then suddenly the television emerged and I was offered a ton of television and lots of films. And I've kind of slid into, so I'm, I'm giving you a long answer to say, I don't know how the profession has changed, but I do know that it's much more welcoming to people who are far too old to be in it than it was. Yeah. And that I have found really a lovely moment that in my, uh, you know, in my my autumn years of, of acting that I'm absolutely having the best time I could possibly have, much better than I could have had in my 20s. And that I also feel I can last in it because whatever quality is needed now is not going to be judged by the fashion of the moment, but by what skill one can bring to the screen, if you can. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point, Fiona. Just this, I, I'm happy to hear that, it, I, from what it sounds like, the industry is much more open than maybe what it, what it used to be. That amazes me that you were in Hollywood when you were 28 and someone told you that you were too old. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that times in, in that sense have certainly changed for the better in that way. Yeah. And I think a lot of actresses have emerged in their 30s now in Hollywood who who actually a generation before would have had to be in their early 20s. And it's much better because those actresses are actresses or actors, sorry, I mean men as well, that, who, who have consistently produced good work and got better and better because there's no doubt practice makes you better so the more parts you get the better you get and I know some very weak actress uh, actresses particularly who became much better because they had many parts you know that things do get better if you practice yeah well that that leads me nicely you're just segueing me for all these questions <laughs> nicely Fiona I, I was going to ask you a, a bit about that talking about practice and in training there's a wide variety of different schools of training out there for actors, a wide variety of different acting techniques. I, I would love to hear just your take on actor training in general. Is it something that's important? Is it something that actors should pursue seriously before they go out on auditions? And when it comes to a technique, is it just a matter of finding what resonates with you the most? Well, that's an interesting way of putting it. I don't know whether you know what resonates with you the most, because sometimes when you're working on something, you discover what resonates with you the most, and it wasn't the thing that you thought was going to resonate with you the most. So you sometimes trip yourself up. Uh, when I did the play Electra, I always thought it was something to do with dead brothers, because my brother had died. And then sometime later, I realized it had a lot to do with fathers and daughters, as in the electric complex. But I just mean, you can often think it's about one thing and think, oh, that's my way in. And you discover actually the play or whatever the thing is, is about something else. So, and as for techniques, you know, it's very like education. I, I've been thinking about my nephew, who's 22 and knows completely different things to me. 
you know, and I was saying this to my mother over the weekend, you know, no longer do people have to read The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. It is no longer a valid text that one needs to understand. So I don't know. I used to think that being trained was the most important thing in the world. And it was for me because I came from Ireland. I went to England. I had to learn a system. They would not have called a system. They would have called it an opening up, an education vocally, physically, but actually it was a kind of system where you had to learn a certain clarity of speech, a certain way of, you know, you, you were being built for a stage that was very, very public. And in fact, of course, a lot of acting now is very private. So I think technique can change with the times that we are in. And I was trained for very public art form, but I feel now I'm practicing and getting better at a much more private art form. Oh, wow. So it, it, I guess perhaps it's just a, an evolution of your time in the acting profession, maybe. Well, I don't think you can ask a young actor to say, you know, if you can resonate with this and really find what's true for you, then it will be good because the limits of ourselves will always be the limits of ourselves. You know, nobody might be particularly interested in my Hamlet, as it were, because I can only resonate it to who I am. The great thing about technique is actually I can make my Hamlet much more interesting than I am because the thing itself, the thoughts itself, the way in which Shakespeare plays with one thought bouncing off another is far more brilliant than just my thinking, well, Hamlet's a bit of a sad guy and I'll play it like this. It is that every thought changes the mood, every mood changes the next mood, and no two thoughts are the same. And it's very similar in that way to very good novel writing, where a very good novelist never repeats an emotion. If the book in chapter five has the same feeling it had in chapter two, you're, you're, you're bored. Even if the thing is incremental, you must always have the building blocks that the previous feeling has transformed you into the new feeling, transforms you into the next feeling. So, you know, sad is never the same as sad. Sad must be the, you know, something else must replace it. And I think it's this very invisible work that people have to work very hard to get to. But if you push through that, you become bigger than yourself and more interesting than you, a person, is. So sometimes people mistake actors for their parts and think the people are brilliant. And often the actor is not a particularly interesting person at all. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. But I imagine in that in that situation, I, I guess they would be considered an incredible actor, given that they're able to break through in that way for that specific character, perhaps. Yes, I mean, there are layers to it that we don't understand. I mean, dear, dear Michael Gambon, who has just died, who many of your podcasters will recognize from Dumbledore, but many other things, the singing detective. I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. His, his, his Anthony and Anthony Fletcher, brilliant. His Falstaff, brilliant. I saw him play Volpone, brilliant. He was brilliant because he came out on the stage and you had no idea what he was going to do next. Now, he said that he had lied his way into the profession. He always also told lies in interviews. So instead of pursuing the truth, he was a man who pursued the lie. And what I think what he was really doing was he was keeping himself free to be whatever he needed to be. And he certainly didn't want you to pin him down to being just Michael Gambon, who was brought up in Camden and, you know, whatever was interested in making guns. Maybe these things were relevant. I mean, he, he used to make 80th century guns. <laughs> he, you know, he, he was a brilliant engineer as well. 
maybe those things are relevant to acting or maybe they're not. And I think this sort of free flowing way in which he he spoke about acting, the way he would say, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. He once said to me, actually, in a car, he said, in the end, there's only acting. And I thought, my God, there isn't just only acting. But for all his talk about it being nonsense, he thought there was only acting. And I think sometimes people are much more involved with the thing than they appear, because if they seem too serious about it, it'll become clay. So they have to slightly despise it in order to be good at it. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. For actors who are pursuing this craft, maybe they've studied for many years, maybe they've been auditioning, working on projects for many years. In your experience, like what informs the path of acting? How how can actors best determine if this is the right path for them? Goodness. Well, you play some mind game, I think, with yourself. Uh, in my case, I thought I'd give it till I was 30. And if I couldn't really make it worthy of a life, I would give up at 30. And at 29, I think I was, I won the Olivier Award and I thought, okay, I'm on track and I'll stay another bit. But you should always be willing to jump. Nobody should ever feel trapped by a profession. But over the years, what does work is to Funny enough, Michael Gamble once said to me, I do chaos theory, he said. I do whatever comes up next. So if he was offered a tiny play in a small theater, he would do that, followed by a film in Hollywood, he would do that. He never felt, I must position myself here and position. I don't think he did. He did. And so he kept great variation. But one basic rule is if you do a Greek tragedy one year, try not to do a Greek tragedy the next year. I mean, obviously, you want to do something that takes your mind somewhere else because you know, you're climbing a mountain range each time and it's best if the range changes. You know, you, you don't want to put your crampons into the same crevices. <laughs> right, right. So I've always, you know, I, I, I did Electra in 1989 and then also 93, actually, I repeat and repeat. But, you know, I then did The Good Person Sichuan and then I did Head of Garbury. Try and keep the writers different so that you are entering into a different headspace each time. And I didn't, after Electra, I spent 10 years before I did Medea. You know, I didn't go back to Greek tragedy until then. And, you know, the same with Brecht. I did the Good Press one, and then I did Mother Courage when I was 50. I waited, you know, nearly 20 years to do that. I really resonate with what you're saying in that people shouldn't be stuck by a career. And because I feel like sometimes as actors, we feel like we need to, like, package ourselves in these little boxes for for marketing purposes and kind of like know what we're selling yeah and it's yeah it's sometimes difficult to figure out that balance between the the craft and then sort of like the business side of things well the business you know the business of paying your rent is a really serious business and, and we've all got to pay the rent but i i mean i i, I have a very specific upbringing that you know i I went to university, then I went to drama school, and then I went to the Royal Shakespeare Company, then I went to the National Theatre. So it's a very classical training. What I got from that was that I didn't always like the plays, but it didn't matter because they were always phenomenal plays that you could learn. I didn't enjoy playing Richard II, but my God, I learned a lot on the play. 
Um, I learned a lot about Shakespeare. I learned a lot about about rhythm. I learned a lot about the pure, dense protein of iambic pentameter and how it works over a three hour structure. And that goes right into you and it works for every little tiny part you play on television thereafter. Somehow it infuses you with with knowledge and you don't come out the same person as you went in. Now, that's a good thing. But I, I don't think you can be constructing otherwise. I think it's very hard to learn if you play the policeman on a television and it pays the bill and then you play another policeman on another television. That is hard. And that is a lot of people's bread and butter, playing the policeman or the whatever, you know, the, some such. You know, you play the waiter, you make it as interesting as you can, but you must also, of course, work on something that is increasing your lung capacity <laughs> you know so I think actors have a very very tough time and they have to hang on in there and and not get bitter I think that's probably don't ever get bitter leave before you get bitter yes oh it's so important Fiona I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the actor cast and and for not only taking the time to join me on the show but I, I really appreciate your your perspective on acting. You, you've had this incredible career. We we've had the opportunity to to see you in a variety of different performances and to be able to learn so much from you through your performances as well. So I'm so thankful that you were able to take the time to join me on the show and and to share your your thoughts and insights with our with our uh, listeners today. They're my thoughts today. Who knows what my thoughts <laughs> will be tomorrow? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm wondering, Fiona, if you just have any parting words of advice for our actors today. Just, you know, you're doing a fantastically valuable job. The world is obsessed with watching screens. The world's obsessed, I hope, more and more with going to stages to see what is it about us being human human beings that is so incredibly interesting to us and how you can help people experience other lives beyond their own life? That's what actors are doing because they're putting themselves out there to expand the human, you know, whether they're playing murderers or playing victims or playing funny people or playing sad people. They're allowing the viewer to have a heartbeat that moves at the same pace vicariously as those more dramatic lives and that enhances life and that's what actors are giving audiences a chance to experience life in a wider way and you know don't underestimate what you're doing that's a good thing yeah uh, that's a great way to leave our listeners fiona thank you so much again thank you thanks patrick for having me on Thank you so much for listening to this episode of ActorCast. You can let us know your thoughts on this episode by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching you all in the next episode, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create. <laughs>